around the NFL podcast. Wishes it were the Split Ends podcast. Mm. That's putting me in a good spot. Feels like a reach. Welcome to another edition (laughs) of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. And yes, you just heard her voice sheepishly trying to duck out of the money tag. It's the great Colleen Wolf, Connie Fox, the tiny box. She's back. Yo, great to see you guys. Tugboat, how you doing? Did you get a sound drop yet for the boat? Uh, do we have the drop, Ricky? Maybe we'll add it in post. Uh, you put her on a spot Ooh. there. Considering she is your co-host on the Split Ends podcast, to put her on the spot and, and make her producing seem subpar, interesting play there. I like it. <laughs> I'm just like pushing it. her to get better, to be better. We should all push ourselves to be better. That's a good friend. It's a good quality mm-hmm. in a friend, right? and that's the kind of friend that you seem to appear to be. Since we haven't had you, Connie, on the show in a few weeks, I want to give you the opportunity uh, to share your feelings about the legendary quarterback Tom Brady on the eve of his possible retirement. Oh, love you, Tom. I love Tom Brady. Love you, bro. Wait, what was that? Love you, Tom. I love Tom Brady. Love you, bro. Do you love Tom Brady? Share it. Spill I it. love the way that he plays, but you know it wouldn't Do be. You? Worst thing in the world uh, if he decided to hang it up and spend some time with his family and his production company, whatever he has going on. I mean, I don't know. He's <laughs> I honestly, if I'm being completely serious, I think that we're going to look back at this era of football and Tom Brady and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe we covered him in at the height of his of his powers and he's been so good and such a staple and taking him for granted is a really easy thing to do. But Mm. also it's Tom Brady and it's also very easy to hate on him because he's so good and because no one else has ever reached what he's been able to do. So I I don't know. Well, you know, who doesn't take him for granted? You gave me a surprisingly serious answer, right? A guy by the name of Bill Cower. Bill Cower appreciates every moment. And um, I think you should be a little more concerned with Bill Cower's emotions. If Tom Brady does retire, Uh, that's who I'm worried about. It's it's typically okay. Yeah. It's more like uh, middle-aged white men in football media or retired coaches that seem to truly fall for Tom in a perhaps romantic way. And and maybe Tom, if he does retire, maybe he goes uh, and takes some uh, time out and moves from Tampa to Miami. Maybe. Um, maybe. I understand where you were going with this. You want to team me up one more time? Yeah. Um, what do you think about Tom Brady? Do you want to share any feelings about the man the way others have? I love you, Tom. <laughs> that's That's what you were looking for, right? <laughs> We're going to get to Tom Brady and what's going on with Brady. It's uh, the the start of a saga that I still believe in my heart is going to stretch over uh, not days or weeks, but years. This is step one. Longtime player begins to mull retirement. It becomes a story every winter for about two to three years, then becomes a reality. Could be wrong, though. Could be could this could be it for Tom Brady. We shall see. But uh, today's show is a good one because we're going to get to um, Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic who covers the Rams and is going to give us a bit of a deep dive on where the Rams are at, 
both uh, in terms of uh, their journey and where they're at mentally. It's a very interesting team when you start kind of peeling back the layers of the players that are at the center of this, the coaching staff. Obviously, the coaching staff has some major demons to slay here with uh, Kyle Shanahan and his six-game winning streak. Greg, I feel like if if Kyle Shanahan defeats Sean McVay for a seventh consecutive time for the NFC Championship, that is the type of bragging rights that no boy genius comes back from. I don't think Mc, mm. McVay survives it um, emotionally. <laughs> There's a lot on the line there. Well, their friendship certainly doesn't. If if they are even oh, that's you know, shot. still that's friends. Over. I feel like um, no, nothing rang as false as Kyle Shanahan trying to say that him and Matt LaFleur are still friends too after he tried to go get Aaron Rodgers last offseason. There's, there's no greater revenge though than Kyle Shanahan just destroying assistant after assistant of his old state. It's like, I made you and I'm still better than you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll get into uh, the Rams with Jordan. We're going to hit a bunch of news, but before we get into any of the other Brady stuff or anything else going on in the league, we got to talk about the huge story uh, that broke on Tuesday. Sean Payton and the saints are no more. Let's get into the news. Hey coach. Mr. Goodall is on the phone. Roger Goodall is on the phone. The commissioner. He didn't say what his job was. Stunning news? Perhaps not stunning, because there were some breadcrumbs along the way uh, over the last several days. But Sean Payton's storied run with the Saints is over. Um, Rap Sheet originally reported it on Tuesday that Payton was stepping down as head coach of the Saints. 58 years old, leaves the team uh, 60 plus games over 500, nine postseason wins, a coach of the year award, a Super Bowl title. Um, and now he is stepping away. He had a press conference on Tuesday explaining, uh, where he's at headspace wise as everyone speculates what happens next. I still have a vision for, for doing things in football. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, that might be coaching again at some point. I don't think it's this year. I think maybe in the future, but that's not where my heart is right now. It's not at all. Peyton also addressed some of the speculation, rampant speculation that he might get into the media. Let's hear that as well. I don't know what's next. Not spoken to anyone from a media outlet relative to doing television or radio. Maybe, maybe that opportunity arises. I think I'd like to do that. I think I'd be pretty good at it. All right, so Connie, let's let's start the conversation this way. I as I saw this unfold this morning, I couldn't stop thinking what a brilliant personnel personal maneuver this is for Sean Payton because I do buy the idea that after a very tough season and he's been doing the job forever, maybe this was his time. He's he's seen other his other the coaches he's looked up to, a Parcells for existence, uh, for instance, who stepped back for a year or two and then got back in. He gets to now get out, take whatever job he wants in the football sphere or do nothing. And then when he does decide to get back in, he will become the hottest head coach property uh, in the NFL in some time. Uh, it feels like it sets up well, but we don't even know if he's coming back. Your thoughts on all this news. 
what what a life what an option to have in life to be sean payton in this very position he was in cabo went radio silent on a bunch of people and then decided you know what i'm gonna step away from this organization that i've been linked to and loved by the fans for so long because he can basically take an nfl sabbatical like bruce arians has done it too in the past and we've seen coaches do this and i i wonder if it's just because you know maybe he's reached that burnout phase we've we saw what happened this year when he didn't have a hall of fame quarterback went through four different quarterbacks i think that being a head coach in the nfl is stressful in and of itself just in a regular year and then you add in all of the layers with covid um, and then they had the hurricane that misplaced them at the beginning of the year, too. So there were just so many things that added probably to the stress and anxiety of the job. And so for him to be able to have this as an option is is great for him. And I thought the press conference in general, he was so thoughtful. He was so sincere and so genuine. And it was kind of surreal to watch him say goodbye and watch him step aside and I did love the fact that there were so many stories that he told and and thanked so many people and you could tell that he really did think about this ahead of time he even said that he googled at one point how to not cry during a speech and that the google machine told him to drink water and I was wondering you googled that yeah and I was wondering at one point why he was just furiously <laughs> slamming bottles of water back during this press conference. He would stop and just all of a sudden start chugging water. And so that made a whole lot of sense. But I just thought that, you know, his empathy towards the media and covering the NFL during this time with all of the protocols. And he was just, he came off as the person that I really wanted him to be in this situation. Hmm. Yeah, I, I want to get to his future next but quickly like it is a day for him to reflect the press conference uh is still going on as as we talk it actually might still be going on by the time you hear this it it it, it could just continue but he's got a lot to talk about like this 16-year run ranks with you know the great coaching runs i mean he's not lombardi or belichick but i think he's a hall of fame coach and i i think the place where he took over this franchise to where they went immediately. That 06 team is, you know, one of the most magical non-Super Bowl teams to me ever. Red, Reggie Bush, who we mentioned a couple times, really changed that franchise. It's hard to, like, remember what a big deal getting Reggie Bush was just in terms of making, putting them, you know, on the front page of the newspaper, selling tickets, all this stuff. Uh, and it's been, in like, an incredible journey. But he said going into this year, he was thinking about it, going into training camp, that this might be his last year. And I think he did a great job. He showed his value this year. Their, their offense, you know, quietly, if you kind of look at the analytics behind it, was, like, pretty decent considering the disastrous quarterback and injury situation that he had. He joked how he tried to get Drew Brees to play again this year. And after watching the Dolphins game, they talked again and they were, they were happy that Drew didn't come back because that would have not been fun for Drew Brees to be behind. So I, I think you said it well, Dan, like he's 58 years old, which, you know, is I guess is getting up there in life terms, but in NFL coaching terms, it's still pretty young. I mean, he's 10, is 70. Right, he's 10 years yeah. younger. Than, Arians is 70. And he's going to be in a position in one year. And once they asked, uh, you know, once he allowed questions and they got a little more specific about it, you know, he made it pretty clear this year's off for coaching. He wants to do media. And then it sounds like he'll be throwing his hat back into the coaching ring. And you would think at that time, the Saints actually might try to get him to coach 
for them again because they have his contract and that's where it gets interesting. They can get compensation for him. But he mentioned how, you know, Gail Benson and, and I'd be worried as a Saints fan considering the history of this ownership when Sean Payton hasn't been there uh, about what's going to happen next. And ben- Gail Benson said, how about you just come back and camp? You can like have the whole off season off. And, like, come back and camp and coach us. So it's like whenever he wants to come back, if it's a year or two years, the first thing they'll do is just probably try to get the so, – if anything, they might just try so to keep the seat warm with Dennis like Allen we, and then, like, replace him. They've already had one bad decision, and it hasn't even happened yet, Saying telling the head coach he could take the summer off. Right. What do you got to say on this, Mark? Right. I What I found the most delicious um, about this as it was sort of unfolding on Twitter – uh, and I, I agree that I don't think it was shocking because there were like more and more sort of be, becoming more trenchant concerns and reports about the fact that this isn't just him with his phone off on vacation. This is him genuinely considering his future. But what I loved was the fact that, you know, it reminded me when I was in um in sixth grade in middle school, there was this power couple. Um, if you can be powerful at that age. Sixth grade? Um, Terry... In sixth grade, Terry oh, you Hall. you could be powerful and, in sixth grade, right? Terry Hall and Jen Varilla—they were both um, essentially the like the hottest guy and the hottest girl dating, and they had a stunning breakup in about April or May, just as the spring was starting. Ooh. And couples all over the school, like girls all over the school, were dumping the lower level guys that they were with, and the same was happening in reverse because there was just a chance that maybe you'd have a chance to get with Terry Hall or Jen Varilla. And every single fan base was thinking, yeah, our coach is okay, but if we can get this guy, F our coach. And like, it's, it's all centered around Mike McCarthy because there's been rumors forever, um, that, you know, the Cowboys obviously love Sean Payton. I'll never forget in 2019, sitting at the, at the, um, owners meetings at the Saints table waiting for Payton. And he rolled up with a little leather briefcase saying, this is my new contract in here, my five year deal. And, uh, who knew it would lead to this at this point? Mm. I mean, I think it's an incredible move for coaches in general. Uh, to take a little bit of time in between job A and job B. He can explore, like you said, Dan, Bill Parcells went to NBC for a year, did not thrive at that at all. He just was not good for that. So who knows if Sean Payton would, he talked about TV, get linked into that and love it. But I am telling you, like every, almost outside of Belichick, every coach in the league <clears throat> would be replaced in a second by ownership for Sean Payton. It's going to be a story all year. It's going to be a story Absolutely. all year, I mean, assuming he's gone. This season alone Gruden. shows how valuable he was. Every coach, he, I, I think, is strong personally, but I would say 75% of the league would be willing to do a swap out at the very least. And you brought up McCarthy. That, to me, it all is still, if you put the, the red string on the board, I, this is a, today was a bad day for Mike McCarthy because what this is going to be now is a situation where he's going to when we do our hot butt exercise come <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, August. My favorite. His butt is going to be hotter than anyone because it's all set up for. Hey, Mike, if you don't win the Super Bowl, Jared Jones is going to find a way uh, to cut a check and get Peyton separated from the Saints and bring him in to replace you to be the missing mm. link of this team. That all now sometimes these things that seem obvious don't actually come to fruition, but sometimes th- it's right in front of you. And I feel like this is one of those times where Peyton will be the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys. It just now comes down to 
Can Mike McCarthy, with the urgency at the highest, will that team to another level? That still seems to me where his next location is. I don't buy the Saints. I think that I think that's the end of an era. The way he was talking sounded like it was the end of the era, and right. maybe the Saints would be better to turn the page themselves. I, I get than, it, but they can hold the. Yeah. You know, they have him under contract. I don't know. I mean, if I if you're the contracts Saints, mean nothing. They always get torn well, you up. Can tr- you, I, can you, I right, get it, but still? if you if you're gonna trade him and you're gonna trade him to the Dallas Cowboys your price is going to be so high that either it's going to work out great for you or the Cowboys aren't going to be able to do it. I mean, he he becomes like a, a player almost that you're going to want to send to a different contrast or certainly not uh, a regional rival relatively in, in the Cowboys. And, and it just it becomes a very fascinating John Gruden-like situation, except I think with a little more year-to-year pressure on it than Gruden had, where you always thought Gruden was going to come back. You didn't know when. Peyton, if he's going to do it, maybe he'll just love broadcasting, but if he's going to do it, it's going to be sooner sooner than later. And the Saints absolutely should hold a hard bargain. Like, this is nice. They're, like, passing pastries back and forth, but at some point, it's going to be business. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that Sean Payton brought up Mike McCarthy by name in this press conference, talking about when he found out that Mike McCarthy got the Packers job, and he threw his phone into the pillow, and obviously, it was the best thing that ever happened to him. So, I appreciated that. I thought that was kind of a little of a, a breadcrumb, maybe. But mm. I also loved his honesty when he was talking about his friendship with Mickey Loomis and then just threw oh, yeah. out of nowhere. He was like, he walks slow. It bothers me. I want him to pick it up. That was maybe my favorite line of the entire press conference. Yeah, that, well, that struck me too, Connie, because it did feel like he was going very much off the top of his head and he was speaking comfortably, which is a good sign for a guy that's looking to get in the media. He won't be like his old quarterback, uh, Drew Brees. Greg, let me just say this to go back to the McCarthy thing. I understand what the cost would be, and it would be deemed by many to be prohibitive. I understand it could be messy with the contract situation. Maybe the Saints don't want to keep them in the NFC. But you're telling me, not if, when the Cowboys go 8-9 and nine next year under Mike McCarthy <laughs> and Jera, who's at that point going to be nearing 80 years old, I believe, is going to move mountains to get the head coach he wants, just like he did to get Bill Parcells uh, way back when. That I just stand by that. I think that Gerald will make it happen if Gerald wants it to happen. Okay, but then yeah, then the Saints wind up with like three first round picks or or whatever sure. it's going to take, and and I just think it it'll be a fascinating thing because it's so rare, and maybe other teams get involved. You know that the Saints would rather trade him to, and yeah, if that's where Peyton wants to go and the Cowboys want it to happen, that's all possible. But the the Saints are in a in a good point. Like that's what they're paying for with that suitcase, Mark. Like right. that, that's what they were paying for is now they have, they're going to pay them all that money. You know, they they have that leverage and they gave them that guaranteed money. They gave them the rage. And, and even at the time, Peyton probably knew he's giving up some power if he wants to walk away. And, and that's part of it. And I think like the next team that gets Sean Payton's like, they are getting such a good coach. I, I liked what he said about his maturation process of how to deal with the media and him as a person. If you look at the coaches that's been under him, he's chosen some great coaches. Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn, who are now in, in D- Detroit, he really made a push for Dennis Allen. I think he knows how to handle the whole organization. And I think that's different. Like when he won early in New Orleans, I, he's admitted he's had, he had some trouble almost dealing with like the rock star nature that he wa- that he had in New Orleans. He he admittedly had a drug problem. You had Bounty Gate, and there was probably no more paranoid coach in the entire NFL. It, it, there was a point around the Bounty Gate, and when all that drug stuff was happening, that 
he he was didn't seem he- like a healthy person, and now I think he's come out the other end, and he's been a better coach. And they haven't won the Super Bowl here in, in the last stretch, but they've been in- incredibly well coached and-, and consistent. And like I, you know, you're right that any team is going to want him. Well, he's definitely mellowed out. I mean, people that know him talked about that. I mean, he's on his second marriage at this point. Uh, you know, he's his life's changed. I would say this to Dan's point: three first round picks for Sean Payton. If I'm an NFL owner. I do it. I never look back. I never think about it. Okay. You're good okay. for the next 10 years, and you've got a brand, you've got a franchise, and you have a coach that can maximize your players, your scheme, your Just offense, with the as good as anyone in the league. Sure. But even, Meanwhile, even with lesser quarterbacks, look what he's done. The last thing is he's like Parcells, though. He's leaving at the right time. Like You want to go in mm-hmm. and oh, rebuild yeah. it and be the hero, and they've got about you know $70 million in cap problems. They don't have a quarterback. They're, I don't think Terran Armstead's going to be there. There's going to be a lot of changes, and Mickey Loomis, who's been there the whole time, and, and maybe Dennis Allen, who it really sounds like has the inside track for this job is going to have an extremely difficult job in this next year. Well, and to Connie's point, I guess, you know, Mickey Loomis walking at a slower pace has finally annoyed him to such a degree that he's left Mickey Loomis, <laughs> right. general manager of the uh, the New Orleans Pelicans as well, in a double fix. Peyton's just going to go hang out in Cabo. Like, he just got married in Cabo this offseason. He went what and made his decision in Cabo? in Cabo. I don't know. Great things happen he in said Cabo. He, bu- he said he just bought a new place in New Orleans, so I like that. He's staying. Well, he probably has multiple. Staying you know, there, multiple yeah. Places. I think we should go to Cabo. I feel Done. like anybody goes to yep. Cabo, something good happens. I got my, my anniversary in Cabo. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. By the way, we also um, you, one thing you didn't address, uh, Greg, with his personal problems and uh, like, you know, tragedies, the Kevin James casting. Like, he overcame that. Mm. Well, well, that's you great news. He's, he's going to get to do now. all the... He's going to be working for... I'm going to predict NBC, but it could be ESPN. Who knows? Uh, and he's going to be able to do all the talk shows promoting home game. You, you know, people made fun of the Kevin James thing. Are you kidding me? Like, he's a football coach that has some... Yeah, pretty high A-list level actor playing him a Netflix movie. I mean, that that should be good for the ego. Yeah, I think the casting could have been a little better on that. That's yeah, all. Do you recall we did actually a, we did a casting for Sean Payton um, last offseason? Who did we come on down this. on? Didn't my wife uh, offer some options? She she did. Works she in the did. industry. We yeah. I mean, we she and I combined because I'm a you know I've I've some casting. Talent You're a real myself, cinephile. So, so. Yeah. I'm going Peter Sarsgaard. Like who who is you know what? he's never bad. He's never bad. <laughs> Let's take a break. All right, let's uh, let's keep moving. We got a bunch of news to hit before we get to Jordan, so we'll. Uh, um, but we got to give Tom Brady a little bit of time here because this is obviously a huge story. You, Tom. Tom Brady's season ended Sunday, thirty twenty seven loss for the Bucks uh, to the Rams. They wiped out a twenty four point deficit, only to lose in heartbreaking fashion. Brady did play very well uh, in the uh, during uh, the closing. Uh, in the closing half of that game, even though he was under constant duress. So he went out, if this would be the way he goes out, he went out as a big time player still, but now we're hearing he's thinking about it. He's involving his family um, uh, in making the decision. Here's what he said on his podcast with none other than the infamous Jim Gray. Football is extremely important in my life, and it means a lot to me, and I care a lot about what we're trying to accomplish as a team, and I care a lot about my teammates. And the biggest difference now that I'm older is I have kids now too, you know, and I care about them a lot as well. And, uh, you know, they've been my biggest supporters. My wife is my biggest supporter. It pains her to see me get hit out there. And, um, you know, she deserves what she needs from me as a husband. My kids deserve what they need from me as a dad. 
you know, I've already kind of shared my thoughts on where how I think this ends up, so I won't belabor it. But I do, I do want to say, I knew that he has Brady a professional um, relationship with Jim Gray, the infamous Jim Gray. But it's apparently a podcast called the Let's Go Podcast, and how boring must that podcast be to never be in the news? The, we never hear about it. Like, maybe what's this ha- is the first episode. I suppose. Ta- you're, so you're telling to- me, okay, maybe, maybe it's mm-hmm. been completely dark. But there is a scenario here where Tom Brady, Tom Brady's been doing a podcast. Who knows? Every week, maybe three there, times there a week. There are thousand like, episodes the in. Podcast. Right. And Larry Fitzgerald is on it too. Uh, nothing newsworthy. In- it's uh yeah it's like seven it's probably started hey ricky can you can you do some digging and let me know how often the let's go podcast has published Yeah, let me look into it all right anyway (laughs) uh, connie you're you got the floor (laughs) all right uh i didn't realize that uh i didn't have the floor at the beginning of the show when you asked me this so here we go i'm gonna go into my actual take on this i don't really i don't think that this is an attention thing for tom brady when he says that he's going to kind of take time and think about it with his family i i believe him in that and i think that he's serious here because he said that a farewell tour would not be something that he wanted to do and that he would find it distracting but i think the main reason why i take this so seriously is because tom brady was on howard stern like two years ago maybe and it was a really interesting interview and in that interview he talked about his family and his relationship with them and his relationship with Giselle and how they had gone to marriage counseling together and how so much of what he does, it really is like a family decision. And when you think about the supreme effort that goes into Tom Brady being Tom Brady, that is not something that is easy. And that's taking away a lot of time from his family and from his personal life. I mean, he is like, Uh, 70 years old maybe at this point like he actually could be 80 years old at this point but the way that he is playing and the way that he puts all of this work into his body and his performance and and everything on the field that's not insignificant so I think that this it could be him going out and it's not a bad way to go out sure that he didn't win another Super Bowl but individually it was one of his best seasons so it will and especially after the way that they came back against the Rams they fell short but it was a dramatic comeback so if he goes out yeah Rick well there were 43 episodes and it's explicit and it's through Sirius XM, <laughs> but it does look like sometimes Tom Brady's not on it, and it's Larry Fitzgerald and um, Jim Gray. But so, it does look like Brady's been on quite quite a it, bit. Started weekly. In September. I think weekly. my guess would be they take that radio hit and throw it into the podcast, but who knows? It's weekly, <laughs> oh. uh, and yeah, and there's Fitzgerald episodes. It's it's very strange. You got it's the a, explicit it, tag. It's a good That's point. Big. Hey, we are better and bigger than Tom Brady at one thing. Dan. Uh, I mean, well, we, that's true. There's no way his podcast gets Think our about numbers. It. Like Aaron Rodgers, Eat it. Let's go. Aaron Rodgers goes Gray. on this, the McAfee show and it's like the biggest story in the NFL. Like every Tuesday. Come on, Tommy. What's well, I mean, he's dropping incendiary commentary. Right. That's, he doesn't I mean, say yeah. anything, especially right. if, if it is that radio hit repurposed. It's like he really doesn't say anything on that. I think what he said. I think what he said on the podcast, though, was was telling he's never talked like this before. That's why it's different. We've never had these reports before. He's never talked to Al Michaels about it before. I think he is going to retire. If I had to guess, obviously, I have no idea. Whoa. Um, 
But I just think because he just seems like the type it, football players say this all the time that once you're thinking about it, it's like you're already retired. And I and I would mm-hmm. think for Tom Brady, that would be doubly true. And just the way that he said, look, I get joy from playing football, but now outside of football, there's a lot of joy for me there a- as well. The team not you know deserving anything less than his best. So like total commitment. Like I buy that. It almost sounds like like he's leaning that way now, almost clearly. And it's that emotional time right after the season when a lot of players are like that, almost like he's trying to convince himself. Because, of course, he, he said it's not about necessarily what he wants. And it, and it has been about what he wants because he would have retired years ago if it wasn't about what he wants. And so that that's why this the timing of it all. And, and yeah, he it sounded like he wanted to get back to another Super Bowl. That, like That would have been the perfect way to go out, but he he's played enough NFL seasons to know how brutal it is and how much of a chance there is next year that like the Bucks are way worse. Like he's realistic enough about that, or that he's worse, and that he's also been to the end of seasons where his team you know stumbled to the finish line and people didn't even think about him as a top ten quarterback. Like if he is going out, to me this is about as on top as it could be having this two year stint in Tampa Bay that even the most optimistic Tom Brady fans like like me never would have thought would have been this successful on an individual level or a team level that they got a Super Bowl. And so it just it just checks out to me that that this that he is gonna do it or that he's leaning at least at this moment he's leaning that way and he's just trying to give it a little time to see to see if he would change it. I don't think he's gonna be a Brett Favre type at, at all. So I think he your, would be the opposite. You're going to put your uh, sandwich where your mouth is? Sure. Why uh, not? Why not? I, I, I hate to be a dissenting voice. Like, I, I agree with Greg. I think he's out. Um, right. And I, I, I admit, it's like, I don't know. We're, we're reading into human character. But that's would be my guess. I, I, re- I get real concerned for the idea that someone like Tom Brady, who, like, his life... The sun is football, and that's what he revolves around. I, I get the family angle, and I, you know, there has obviously been tension there because he mentioned that Giselle has wanted him to walk away for a while. So I, it, to me, what concerns me a little bit um, beyond the football you know, aspect of it is that it sounds like a compromise. I, I, maybe not. Maybe I, who, What do I know? I don't know the family at all. But I worry about Tom Brady come August that suddenly, first of all, physically still in great shape, an MVP candidate, playing at the highest level, um, walking away from a game that has been his life, that is his identity on so many levels for family life. I, I, I think that can be very fulfilling too, but I'll, I go back to like this interview that I had with Marv Levy's wife during Super Bowl week, and she talked about when he finally retired after decades and decades of the biorhythm of football, that he came into the home suddenly, he was there 24-7, and she had learned to live with Marv Levy living this other structured life. And she told me, said, look, this thing drove me absolutely nuts. Suddenly there's this guy in the house all day long who has nothing to do. And it was a terrible fit. I couldn't even put the article on NFL.com because it was far too negative. I'm not put projecting that on Tom Brady, but I do worry about someone who is such a lifer this way, leaving for the family and kids reason. I, I do. I, it should be known because because I have knowledge of this. Dolores Levy hated Marv Levy. The marriage was a sham. <laughs> Look at I like I came away from the Mark burning. I know you're source. kidding, but I came away from the interview thinking <laughs> they were a match because they were never around each other. That's how they got. So to do you want to do you want to do a sandwich with me on this, too? 
I, I totally think he's out. I will happily bet a sandwich. Right. He, he How about you, Connie? Past, he wouldn't want to do a retirement tour, too. I, um, right, exactly. And he, and he, he kind of, he did the Tom Brady doc, you know, series weekly. What was it called? On ESPN this year. Like, he just let go of his, uh, he just released his clothing I line. I think it's like, called Love commercials and stuff. It's, it's like he's so sort of branching out. You know? Love you, bro. <laughs> he's out. I think he's retiring. All right. You want to get it on the, on the sandwich? Yeah. Oh, I got three on the hook. Come on back, Tommy boy. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. Big story, though. Huge story. All right, let's let's, let's hop on the uh, personnel carousel, shall we? Like wow, the Bucks just, and the Saints could like both stink at the same time. <laughs> yeah, the NFC South taking a hit, potentially, Ooh. of epic proportions. And Matt Rule's like, yes, maybe now I'll go 6-11. Right. and 11. <laughs> This is so The crazy. Giants have filled their general manager post, hiring Joe Shane. Is it Shane? Is that what we came down on? The spelling's yes. different. But yes. Joe Shane. Shane, he is the new general manager of G-Men. The Shane is the former Bills assistant GM. He was the right-hand man uh, up there in Buffalo. So this is a guy that helped build that powerhouse Bills roster or had a, certainly had a hand in it. So... Feels like so far so good for the Giants. The Bears also have filled their GM post uh, hiring. And this one, I don't know. For some reason, this one bothers me. Ryan Poles is the new GM, which is a uh, too close to Ryan Pace. And also Nick Foles, who was a bad bear. Ryan Poles. It drives me nuts. It drives me absolutely nuts. If like you, <laughs> let's say you were you were someone, um, a girl or a guy, that's fine too, dating someone named Ryan um, if you break up with Ryan, you don't Can't go date, date another, another Ryan. Ryan. You have to date someone with a different name before you go back like imagine, to Ryan. Imagine Why? Co- I had... Go ahead. Well, what? I'm just, that's my personal code. What, maybe you branched into that. You love area. Ryan. Colleen famously loves Ryan. No, I was going to say my ex-boyfriend ended up marrying a Colleen. Like, uh, do mm. we think that that's problematic? But, and his name was Gonzo. <laughs> was it back to back? Was it, was it back to back Colleen? Well, then you uh-huh. know what? More power to him. My feeling is taking a dirt nap. And in other news, the uh, favorite to be the new general manager of the Minnesota Vikings replacing Rick Spielman up there is Brown's uh, up-and-comer, vice president of football operations. Going to nail it. Koesi Adolfo Mensa. By the way, the Sean Payton uh, press conference is still still going. Can you imagine thinking (laughs) what's going on in your life is that important? Like – John F. Kennedy during the Cuban Missile Crisis didn't speak this long. Well, no, he's getting questions. It is this important in New Orleans. Like he should take all the public questions that that they want Wait to ask second. him. Because this started. This press conference started seventy three minutes ago. He's a right. football he's a coach. Perfect fit. He's a perfect fit for Jerry Jones. By the way, those two. Let him have made, his moment. He's he's the yeah, coach this- of the local football team. I get it, but they're asking questions. He's not going to be in that setting ever again. So just like Ara, let, him, Ara, let him keep asking. Ara, and Ara. you eat Sean Payton. Ara, uh, we- the Bay of Pigs invasion failed. Ara, Ara, <laughs> we have major problems. Ara, Ara. And then it's over in like 25 minutes. Right, concise, just made, yeah. Kennedy-esque. Right. We we should uh, mention like that Giants, that Giants hire – you know, he, he's from the Bills. He's interviewing Brian, Brian Dable as a finalist for that job. Dan Quinn is as well for a second interview, but it makes it more likely that it's going to be Dable. And then with the Chiefs guy going to Minnesota, you kind of wonder uh, if they'd bring in Eric Bieniemy. 
And supposedly he has a relationship with D'Amico Ryans he was with in San Francisco who was going to get a second interview in Minnesota. So those might be two names to watch. I think Eric Bieniemy is going to need compromising photos of someone's like owner to get a head coaching job. It just seems that's how this thing is going to play Well, this is a guy that worked with him closely. So you would think it it would be telling one way or another if he doesn't hire him. I found the the Shane hire interesting for the Giants on one little thing that there's whispers that the Mara, that Mara wants the ownership, wants um, Brian Flores or is very into Brian Flores, but Shane worked under Chris Greer for like nine years. So like if anyone's going to get the real story on Brian Flores and probably be, I would imagine, tilted away from Brian Flores, it would be the guy they just hired. At I, I mean, if you're getting the guy that's the guy behind the guy in Buffalo personnel wise and Brian Dable's a, a red hot offensive coordinator candidate who's going to get a big chair, that just it seems to make sense. Connect those dots. Yeah. Uh, Real quick on the polls hire. What did you guys think of George McCaskey picking up polls at the airport wearing a Bears jacket and jeans and holding polls' hometown as like the card for him to recognize him? Uh, <laughs> apparently, Bears Twitter was like split on this. Half of them thought it was a cheap kind of way to do things. I thought it was kind of nice. I thought it was a sweet touch. McCaskey, the chairperson of the Chicago Bears, official title. Mm-hmm. I like it. I think they are just generally very embarrassed. A lot of Bears fans are seem to be generally embarrassed by McCaskey as a human. So I'm not sure that it bridged the gap, but it seemed like a tender way to intro, intro him. Yeah, tender. Well, Mark, have you put in a phone call to Adafo Mensa to uh, perhaps sway him to stay with Cleveland and keep that brain trust or to get that job? Go, go, go uh, work for him in Minnesota. Stop trying to kick Mark, Mark off the yeah. podcast, Greg. We see what you're trying to do. <laughs> Uh, no, I've not contacted him, but also, you know, the Browns, this is the way this new thing works. They get two third round picks, um, if he takes the job. So we'll see, you know, although he probably would have been the guy making those picks. So now we've got, we've got issues. There's problems. All right. Uh, let's, uh, hop back on the personnel carousel here. Uh, a number of coaches now are taking second interviews. Greg's going to run them down because that's how his brain works. He has them all on the tip of his tongue right now. The only one I'll share with you is that our good friend, Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, is set to have his second interview with the Broncos. That that went down yesterday, actually, in Denver. We are close, and I got this update from David Ely on the news desk, and we know – the news desk apocalypse surrounding the headshot and a unnamed talent flagging them multiple times. Um, head coach Nathaniel Hackett in play. In mm. play. Sounds like they like sense. him. They they uh, they had Dan Quinn for a second one too, but Hackett seems to be getting a little more buzz. If Rogers Pe- ends up like coming back and going over there, then that would kind of. Uh, seems like a bad as a connection. I would hope that wouldn't be the reason that you were hiring him because that, you know, it might not be up to, mm-hmm. might not be up to Aaron Rodgers. Well, they also interviewed his, his QB coach. They, they interviewed the Packers QB coach for that head coaching job too. So you wonder if Hackett brings him over as OC and suddenly, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, who has backed Nathaniel Hackett as a head coaching hire for a while now, it maybe gets into the head a little bit and thinking it's nice in Denver. It does feel like a modern day Broncos move to, to really roll out the red carpet without any promises. I would say like whether you're Hackett, who's 
you know, all right, he's a pretty good candidate in terms of hot names. He's connected to a team that's done very well in the regular season. Dan Quinn's an even better example who's coming off a year where he's completely rehabbed his image. Wouldn't you not go anywhere, knowing what we know about our league, unless hmm. a star quarterback was there? Uh, it's just too much of a risk to join a team that doesn't have a guy in place because you only get one to maybe three years, but probably one to two years. Are you really going to roll the dice if you have your pick of teams? I, if I'm Quinn, I would not leave that position unless they absolutely had a rock star landing spot. Yeah, the second well, time around. That I, place. Right. I think like the second time around. Track record. That's right, because he's he's earned the life changing money like. Nathaniel Hackett, who knows if he ever actually ever gets another offer. It's tough to be choosy. Some of these guys who get in the interview cycles are gone from it forever pretty soon. I mean, he he can look to his dad as an interesting example. I mean, Paul Hackett was supposed to be the next Bill Walsh. His dad never quite happened and Bill Walsh I, I I believe was, you know, furious at him for leaving leaving the the nest in San Francisco back in the day and I, it's weird. Nathaniel Hackett isn't calling plays in Green Bay. You know, when he was calling plays, it was for the Blake Bortle Jaguars. Not, you know, was, wasn't beloved by any means. Uh, no. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, any other coaching coaches you guys want to throw out there. All right. Good. Let's move on. Uh, in other news, I th- found this interesting. Andy Reid, he's been on both sides of the overtime coin toss, good and bad where you're trying to you know extend your season get to a super bowl you lose the coin toss in a classic game your great quarterback never gets the ball uh Andy Reid empathizes with the Bills after that difficult divisional playoff loss in Buff- for Buffalo I wouldn't be opposed to an OT rules change Reid said Ian Rappaport our own Ian Rappaport the NFL Network insider uh said that it is potentially on the table uh that a change could happen um we shall see now i've been thinking about this greg we talked about it on the sunday night show um how you pointed out correctly that if it was both teams get the ball regardless of what happens in the first possession it actually favors the second team because they know what they need the team that gets the ball second i should say all right so what if you kept the coin flip whoever wins the coin flip gets to elect whether they get the ball first or second You'll almost always, I would think, take second strategically. Uh, and that way, you still the flip still gets to decide who has the advantage, but it doesn't potentially end the game without both quarterbacks slash offenses seeing the field. How about that? I, I don't think it's better. I, I don't okay. think... I, I tried. Don't think, I'm out. No, I mean, I just... I don't think there's a better overtime situation. I, I think overtime inherently is going to be random. So you have to win in regulation to avoid that. But any recipe where it's like you could be playing three overtimes essentially because the possessions keep going back and forth like college uh, seems crazy for a league that seems that sounds obsessed about player safety. It just it's like football. If you get to the end and oh, the defense is is gassed and like they can't stop them anymore. So, oh, that sounds like a time for the game to end. You know what I mean? Like I I don't I just don't see why that it, I guess this is my my point about this whole thing and Mark, I'm curious what you think like if if you're going to and I'm not saying this to you specifically, Greg, but everyone that's bitching about the overtime rules, well we need to have everyone that bitch- 
This has to have a plan. Now, I just shared mine. Greg shot it down. That's fine with it. I mean, I'm it's out. fine. It's similar. Now I'll, I'll be it's there. Similar. Somebody, we need ideas. We need to figure this out because it does feel like the current plan just doesn't work. I would just say it with uh, the player safety thing, like I wouldn't change regular season at all. I don't think anyone's pushing to do that. But when you get into a playoff scenario like we've seen, it, it, it robbed, obviously, Patrick Mahomes of a chance to match Tom Brady a couple years ago. This time, Mahomes is on the upper hand of that. But it robbed us of seeing Josh Allen. And I think it kind of stole the spirit of that game away. So I, you know, I, I'm hearing lots of good ideas. I'm not going to cook one up because who's going to listen one. to that? I think, wait, it. hold on. But I would say you do it. Colleen, what's, what do you I think? I think that got, they Colleen? should play the full overtime period until the very end. And then if they're still tied there, each team gets one offensive possession. What if they both score touchdowns? A lot of football. It's so much But NFL I think players football. would not care right. to have to These play that. These things are car right. crashes. How about this? How about this? Every I, play is okay. a car crash. I'm factoring I kind of like the 10 minutes, though. I kind of like that. I'm factoring in everything, everything yeah. that everyone is saying, including the player safety, which is something that the NFL, even though if you, sometimes it doesn't align with that, how, the realities of how the league's moving forward, they, they talk a lot about player safety. Keep the current modified overtime rules in place regular season like mark's saying that's fine mm -hmm. it's a regular season in the playoffs you have a newly modified overtime situation uh that is shifted to make sure these teams get a fair shake because the championship is now on the line it's second season how about that modified postseason overtime yeah i totally agree with that i think that 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 seems to serve everyone and greg i mean we're talking about like the exhaustion factor and how can we possibly have them play five more minutes this may occur like one one this would occur maybe like one or two times in the playoffs tops i mean it's it's it just seems like that game the rule changes come off of premier island game moments like that that's when that's what triggers the NFL to make well, change. Right. That's why Andy Reid had to say that he was boxed in a corner because he was literally the one who brought up the rules proposal change four years ago and it didn't go anywhere. Uh, like the Chiefs were the ones who were, who wanted the rules change, and, and maybe the league is maybe the people who are making the decisions uh, has changed, but I don't. It didn't it work. It's taken four years on ago. this. Uh, it's taken on to the, like it is a very tedious argument on Twitter at this point. But I think that from the spirit of what we watched, Bills, Chiefs, I would like to see it change a little I bit. I guess part of me thinks like, hey, newsflash, it's all ran like randomness is such a huge factor. We add on all these narratives after the fact, but it's like it's it's a random thing. And that like can be uncomfortable as fans uh, that the, the coin flip does matter. I think it's only been like 53% of teams in general have, have that won the coin flip have won. So it hasn't been like that huge of in a factor. In the playoffs, I think they've won in the 10 playoffs, 11 though, times. In the playoffs, it's happened more. I don't know if that that's right. But it's like, there's so everything was random to get to that point. And it's, and that's, I think, what happens with an overtime. But Greg, that's and an overtime all about, is I mean, inherently then we, then random. Then at that point, we don't adjust anything in human existence. No, my point. The, the random nature of all, all things is, I mean, what? No, I'm saying like an o like to get to overtime, oh, yeah. and there's so many factors uh, that had to come into play bef before that. Like I can accept a little bit of randomness with the coin flip because it's not that big. Ultimately, you can so, still go win a ball game a million other ways. You um, pointed out Andy Reid four years ago. That was after that classic between the Patriots and Chiefs. I assume uh, in the AFC title game when the Chiefs lost the coin toss at Arrowhead and never got the ball. I love Tom Brady. Um, what about um, the idea that same thing with how the pass interference rule came to be uh, a high visibility playoffs instance 
being a, a, a catalyst for change. I wonder because that's being seen by How many people as <laughs> well. That didn't work out well. I'm just saying. Um, I think I, I feel like you're in the minority on this, Greg. I think a lot of people would like to experiment with change, and maybe it doesn't work. Like mm-hmm. even the pass interference thing. Yes, it failed miserably, but I don't mind that the NFL was open to trying different things to make the product better. I, I'm with you. I just yeah. haven't heard the thing that like gets me excited about something different. I was all for when they changed the overtime, and that was a three year process. If you guys remember, that was in the playoffs only. For a couple of years, right? That was that was back in 2010, 2012 or so, and they eventually adopted it, and it's been better. It's been better, but I haven't heard one that I like. I don't it's remember right. anything like, from 2010. <laughs> it's just so. Like, I wrote a lot of PFT posts about it. It was a lot of a lot of excitement. Sean McDermott, Bills coach, speaking of that <laughs> classic game, uh, he said he has watched the last 13 set. This is why this is why Sean Payton retired today, quote unquote retired. He's watched the last 13 seconds of re- uh, regulation that led to that heartbreaking loss for Buffalo a million times. Let's listen to McDermott. And this is good that we have sound because that means that Sean McDermott is still alive. I watched it uh, on video and I watched it over and over in my head uh, a million times uh, and in my stomach a million more. Um, I'll continue to watch it in my mind and in my gut for for years. <laughs> Uh, I wrote about it in the power rankings this week where time will tell will, is this the final agonizing roadblock for the bills and their climb to Lombardi glory, or will this be the loss that sticks to the ribs? Like no other loss since those super bowl defeats. Like we don't know. The only thing we do know is now the bills need to go through another entire off season, another training camp, another regular season, into the playoffs just mm. to get back to this point again. It's not just physical now for the Bills and where that organization is at. It's mental as well. Mm. There's just so many heartbreaks, too. I mean, when you think about the history of the Bills and you have the Music City Miracle and you have the wide right and you have now like the 13 seconds and the fact that Sean McDermott and all of the players are going to replay this over and over and over in their minds it's just it's so heavy on them and I really hope though it is the beginning for this team and not the end because it really could go either way and we've seen it work with Kansas City and the Chiefs when when they sort of came out on the wrong end of things and now they're trying to get back to their third straight Super Bowl but there are so many things that need to break right for teams and injuries I mean you're talking about player personnel schedule all of it and the one thing that stood out to me when I was looking through McDermott's quotes, just him talking about that plane ride home. And obviously all of us can imagine what it was like, but he said, if you saw that plane ride on the way home, you would not come away with the impression that we're fine. And that's, that's stating the obvious, but just putting yourself in their shoes, flying back from that, just utter devastation. Oh my God. Right. And, it's sort of what I was getting at with like the randomness of it all. Like I, I guess I just don't buy that the the Bills didn't have some inherent championship level qualities inside of them that prevented them from winning the title this year. To me, they they with it, with a couple little things happening different that didn't have to do with them. Or you know, let's say they score in the next play, like then they win the Super Bowl. They, they were a championship team, but they didn't win it. And that, that's right. what happens in sports mm-hmm. sometimes. And they'll have other cracks at it. Josh Allen is too good for them not to be a factor of it all. But you, but you don't know. You just don't know that you're going to be there in that same sort of They'll be relevant spot. 
for right, years. Right, they'll be relevant, but maybe but, they won't be yeah. that good. You just you just don't know. Mm. And to Connie's point, I mean, Sean Payton probably still speaking as we speak. Um, can Update tell track. you. Can tell you, yeah. Is he still there? I don't know. He can tell it you those three. Just wrapped up. Andrew is taking it from him and saying ninety Andrew. minutes for the local football. Coach. Andrew's doing what? Wow. You know, he's he's just wrapping a bow on it. You know, getting him into the next show. A real Abe Lincoln of sorts. Um, but I mean, those three straight, you know, heart wrenching playoff losses the Saints had. You thought, well, can they get back there because they're that good? Suddenly, there's no Sean Payton. Suddenly, there's no Drew Brees. Suddenly, there's total chaos. Right. That and and all that said, like. It's got to kill Sean McDermott watching that film, too, because, you know, he's well, I don't he's think he's watching get, it for giggles. I he's got to right. get his binoculars out to find his safeties on those two plays. I fired it up. They're 40 yards down the field. What are they doing there? What are they he doing knows. there? They weren't in the plays. They they like the safety came up to tap Kelsey. He did about as good as he could have. He was like standing at the goal line. Something something strange broke down there. And he said it was execution, McDermott. He wouldn't go into that even beyond the kickoff thing. But. Something strange happened with the execution of the, of the defense for those last two and plays. And he was hired that, to be a defensive ugh, mastermind, that's, too. That, so. That's tough to stomach as a defensive coach. I, I, I was on Good Morning Football this morning, and Gabriel Davis, he of the four touchdowns in a losing effort, was on being interviewed right before, and the man looked like he was at his own funeral. Like, it was a very, very – it's a very bittersweet, strange position – for somebody like Gabriel Davis, who just had the greatest professional day he'll ever have in his life, most likely. And and if things just went a little bit different in those hashtag 13 seconds, he's one of the biggest stories in the NFL. Uh, instead, it's just kind of an afterthought. And by the way, on that note, 13 seconds. Not, not the 13-second miracle, not the 13-second game. These all-time classics need that shorthand description. 13 seconds. Bingo. That's it. You nailed it. Um, by the way, you know, that press conference going 90 minutes, little American history for you guys. William Henry Harrison um, was the president for just 31 days. He passed away in 1841 um, after he gave the longest inauguration speech of any uh, U.S. president outdoors in Washington. He fell seriously ill. Um, potentially because of his exposure to the elements, and he died one month later. So it's just like it's important to – and that was the guy that just got elected president, and I'm sure his speech was shorter than Sean Payton's just now. It's timely. <laughs> Although I think Payton's was indoors. It looks pretty warm down there in New Orleans. I think he'll be – I think his health, health – his, he looks really in good shape. Too, Shout out he William Henry it. Harrison. Wherever you at, big man. Your son's namesake. Is that is that the story that inspired you to name your son Harrison? Well, the the craziest thing is I wanted his name to be Henry. And my wow. wife said no. So, is it on. because you like your friends with a your friends with an adult Henry, uh handsome Mostly, Hank is, yes. It was because that was, of the, that's what stopped. So it. it would be the second or what about what about Henry VP Yes, John Tyler in a big spot. I get tabbed to be the vice, and that's cool. I'm Veep. A month later, I'm Pusa. Not bad. All right. In other news. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm sure it was a bummer that his colleague and the president of the United no, States. No, I think I think we all just were stuck on the word you said before that, but we got mm-hmm. we figured it what, out. What, Pusa? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Okay. Hey, good news. Um fire up uh turn up your amps, tune up your guitars. Because the Carolina Panthers landed their rock star offensive coordinator. 
and McAdoo, baby. Let's hear another tasty lick, Ricky. McAdoo, rock god. So that's good. That's good for the Panthers. And uh, finally, <laughs> late night with Jim Ursay, the Colts owner, uh, at 1.20 a.m. Eastern time this morning, tweeted the following to the masses. You can see, clear as day, in the final eight NFL team playoffs, you need a, you need a QB and offense, comma, who can score 30 or more in regulation ellipses and a defense that can hold an opponent under 30 slammer football. The, the last four games I wrote this down somewhere. Here we are. The last four games for the Indianapolis Colts uh, point total 27, 22, 23, 11. So it is what it is. Mm. It's all out there, isn't it? Wait, can I just tell you something that happened during that? That was a, a wonderful summary. But like in the background in Colleen, if you're watching this on YouTube, a door opens and an adult <laughs> male walks through with a door with like a barking dog. I'm assuming that was Gonzo, right? But that was just that, uh, a, that was John. Connie's spot. We don't know if that's he's Gonzo. Go- right. <laughs> that's my that's my lover back there. Uh, he just like walked <laughs> over to the corner of the kitchen and started pointing to his wrist like time and then yeah. throwing his hands up. Because oh, right. I've been in the kitchen now for a while doing this spot. <laughs> I think he's hungry. I don't know. He's wait, yelling the, still. Wait, uh, God, who does Gonzo think he is? He think just because he's hungry, we should wrap up the show, or you should jump off. Exactly. Yeah. See what? Well, I'm he was. Like. He didn't make you. He was. And by the way, I had that great setup about Ursay and the future of the cult. It gets blown away because John can't stay in his bedroom <laughs> for another ten it, minutes. Uh, I thought the Ursay thing was fun. I didn't know anything about all that, so I thought it was informative. And uh, bye bye Carson Wentz. You I know, love that, John, I that, love John Gonzalez. That's my, he hijacked the show there. He did. He's well, he wants you know, a that's, sandwich. That's his nature. Yeah, <laughs> he's the star. Yeah, it, it is going to be an interesting uh, QB carousel because it's becoming increasingly par- apparent that Jim Irsay is all done with Carson Wentz. Um, mm. All right, that's what's happening in the news. Let's take a break and then let's get to let's get to Jordan Rodriguez. All right, welcome back. It is time to welcome a guest. We're all excited to speak with this woman. She covers the Rams for The Athletic. She's also the co-host of the 11 Personnel Pod. She is the great Jordan Rodrigue. What's up, Jordan? Welcome to the Around the NFL Podcast. How are you? Hey, guys. I seem collected uh, on the surface, but I'm internally freaking out. Big fan of the show. I told Erica I was going to say that. Probably 60 <laughs> times, so just start cutting me off or editing it out or something when I start. Big fan Ooh, of the show, like by this. the way. Don't know if I mentioned that. But. Which uh, which <laughs> which great. of us is your favorite? Yeah. Uh, I plead the fifth on that one. You can okay. – that, that's, that's the one See, we about. See, that's <laughs> the thing with Schrager. Jordan, I don't know if you saw the episode a couple of years ago or listened to the episode. <laughs> we, we asked Peter Schrager the same question, and then he said Greg, and we were all like – what? No. Yeah. Well, no. We, well, I why mean, did I remember this happening? We, just, I asked. I asked Peter Schrager which one of us he respected the most, and he did not hesitate and said Greg. While Dan and I were sitting there, uh, somewhat thunderstruck by the response. It's refreshing. You give some small talk you. answer. You expect, you know, oh, oh no one's the favorite, you know. But he just gave you the the truth, and that's nice. Refreshing <laughs> for Greg. Jordan, you might wow. be my, and I think maybe the whole group will contend this as well. 
favorite um, beat reporter at The Athletic, which is quite a title uh, because Aww. there's so much great talent there. But you're, you're such a great writer. You cover, the, you cover the sport and that team so well. And why don't we start this way with the Rams? Because I thought the way you put it in your write-up after that classic near meltdown turned um, – <laughs> amazing victory in Tampa that there are some demons with this team, right there, whether it's uh, Stafford struggles in the past, even Matt Gay, the kicker going to Tampa and Sean McVay now has to slay another. There's a demon here, obviously with the San Francisco 49ers and the other boy genius on the other sideline. Uh, do you think the Rams have that mental capability to step on the throat of an opponent, get to the Super Bowl, and completely rewrite the narrative of a lot of people connected to this organization? You know what has been so uh, insane, chaotic covering this team? I think in a good way, because I think especially when you're a beat writer, uh, which I, I love being, um, and thank you for saying that, although thank I think you, you have to say that. that because I am the guest on your show today. Um, <laughs> the the You get to see no, we, we do rankings, actually, <laughs> oh, pretty true, regularly. Yeah. Very accurate. Um, Zach sure. Kiefer is like furious at us right now, but oh. you, you have turned out to be on top. Sorry, Zach. You're, Zach Kiefer is the, the ultimate talent there, mm. but uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty proud of this. Um, so <laughs> it, it's you get to see incremental change over time and you get to sort of study that. Right. And that's what I love about covering this team is because they've had major catalytic changes, but then also all the little things that are happening between those spaces. And that's where I think they do allow some of these, what I call them, they allowed some of these demons to sort of peek through and sneak through it and almost catch them by surprise at times. Four fumbles will certainly catch you by surprise in the middle of a game. Um, but I think with, with this team, I worry less. The interesting thing, a personality with them that's developed is I almost worry less about how things go for them when things are calm when they have a lead, when they can exhale. And, and I worry, uh, I, I worry more about, you know, what they do in those moments. I worry less about what happens when their backs up against the wall. All through December, you saw them winning games when all of these external factors were affecting their team, you know, massive COVID-19 outbreak and, um, you know, losing Robert Woods earlier in, in November um, onboarding two new players, just all of the things and moving parts that are swirling around this team and then, and then them navigating through that as well as they did, uh, winning, you know, five in a row. And then, and then ultimately finally a 17 point lead against, again, the 49ers who they could have knocked out of postseason contention and, and exhaling for the first time going into the halftime, uh, going into the locker room at halftime. And then it come, they come back out and everything hits the fan. So it's, it's very, it's been so interesting kind of gauging the personality. It's almost like, they work better when there's chaos happening all around them. And I don't know who that's reflective of. Matthew Stafford certainly is comfortable um, operating through that chaos. We, we nickname him on my podcast, Darkly Chaotic Matthew Stafford, because um, he does seem to navigate that headspace rather well. Um, but it's been mm. interesting. This team, it's almost like they can never let themselves get comfortable in any way because things start slipping through the cracks in that regard. I love that you nicknamed him Darkly Chaotic because that's exactly what I bookmarked in your article from this week when you described his tendency to dip too far into darkly chaotic decision-making and also the fact that he embraced that chaos and kind of found clarity at the end of that game. But can you explain just like a little bit more about the dark place that his teammates kind of described him going into after that spike? Yeah, it was kind of – they felt – they saw him um, – 
maybe leave leave this plane and enter another one i think you know it was it was very interesting <laughs> that's part of the reason why i love this team right because I, I mean i love covering this team because they they are so fascinating in the little things that they let slip and that was a personality slip in him that we hadn't really seen you see the competitor um you see the guy who wants the ball in his hands at the end of the game regardless of whether or not they have a lead he wants to stay on the field he wants to be participating um and certainly when when things aren't going their way he wants to be the guy that helps sort of settle the calm um even if he is part of the reason why that chaos has happened in the first place and that was a a uh sort of explosive moment when he spiked that ball because his teammates sort of saw this different look in his eyes as Sean McVay always says you know the talks about people look in their eyes right and so they sort of saw saw this different um this different person who really does elevate in those moments and that's why i always um find him a fascinating study because he does invite that sometimes he does turn the ball or he he did earlier in the season postseason he's been excellent but he was turning the ball over at, at inopportune times in, in certain moments but you never felt like there was this implosion um, and then sort of he channeled that in, in the end of the game, um, all of that sort of chaos that he's adept at navigating, sometimes even if it's self-inflicted. And it almost seemed to just just uh, burst out of him in that spike. And his teammates are like, whoa, man. <laughs> so mm. it was it was really fascinating. And I do think and then him talking post game is sometimes you have to go into that place and, and learn how to embrace that place, which I think we've seen over the course of his career. Um, certainly, it, to me, that's a, a psychological component of this is, is learning how to be that person and embrace that part of you, um, even when things go wrong, even when it's your fault, if things go wrong. That makes me so much more interested in Matthew Stafford that he has sort of a dark inner region that he channels during games. I'll start Mark's there, but love order, language. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> darkness it's and chaos. Intriguing. Very intriguing. But I mean, like, so it's obviously such a weather-worn um, fact at this point that the Niners have stomped them, you know, taken them six in a row. But in terms of the team's psychology, the potential weight of that, you know, we're weeks removed from them melting down against the Niners, which obviously changed the complexion of the NFC playoffs drastically. Is there a weight? Are they, are, is this a new opportunity where they're able to take all that and put it on a boat and just float it out into the, into the ocean? Or is it something that they think about that Sean McVay thinks about, you know, dealing with Kyle Shanahan, who's just owned them? It's, it's such an outlier for the Rams. Like, where are they um, neck up? I think they wanted it. You, you hear guys talk about wanting it this way. And, and you know, you lose to a team six, six times. I think that says something about you um, as a group, as a person, for, for wanting this to be the case. And I think it's because this would be the ultimate way to sort of uh, to shake these guys in the end, to really sort of prove that they belong, to really set those roots back into the ground after getting here and having such early success early on after their move back to Los Angeles and to really build around that. That's substance. The Rams have a lot of style and they get style points left, right, and sideways um, all through the year for the moves they make and for the things that they can do and then the passing concepts they have and some of the, the star defensive players. But winning, beating a team that you have, uh, you know, for lack of all other you know, irony and storylines that were possible. This is the most ironic storyline that they could have faced. And this is also the one that I think if they get past this provides them with the most substance, shows the most resilience and the most substance that they have so um, worked toward proving um, sort of despite a lot of external conversation about 
you know, what they're not. And, and I think it does also show, this does show what they're not. They had a chance to close. They had a chance to eliminate these guys and they didn't, they allowed them to sort of creep back in just like they did in the game. And, and so, you know, they, they want this chance to prove um, that, that this is who they really are. Uh, you know, not the guys who, who let other people hang around, but the guys who can control their own fate. Um, and I think part of the thing that helps too, um, you know, I would think it's a mental technique as well, knowing that you can get out to a lead in front of a, a team that is, has, uh, you know, six times in a row just handled you knowing that you can get out to that lead and then um, figuring out that new part of yourself where you do close. Well, that's the thing about the Rams. Like in that first half, when they got up 17, nothing, they looked like the best team in the NFL. They should have been up against the Bucks, the defending champs, 34 to three at one point. That looked like Jaguars Patriots for a while. That was just total domination. And what the 49ers have done so well over the years, I think, is overwhelm them with physicality. You know, they they stopped the Rams running game last time around. And once you got into the second half, they started winning the pass rush battle, uh, and they started pushing the the Rams around running the ball. So to me, I would imagine that feels great. Like that's the ultimate challenge. I'm just wondering, like as someone that's watched this team and and seen Sean McVay coach up front, do do you think some of this giving up the lead and and the lack of killer instinct Dan talks about is it goes up to him because the the thing that I'm always surprised about is how conservative he is by nature, not, you know, fourth down decisions, maybe running the ball more when, when you have the lead, even though the pass is working like in a game like Tampa, and then maybe just spinning forward to this one, when the running game is not working, like, do you trust Sean McVay to approach this? Like, we're just going to throw it on him. Like we are not going to be content just trying to get to the finish line here. Let's, let's blow this team out. Let's be aggressive because he hasn't, he hasn't always been that coach. Yeah. I think one of the, the blocks that he faces and has so often against this team is, um, you know, what do you do when all of the normal things don't work? Mm. Um, do you keep trying those things or do you try to push through, even if it makes you uncomfortable or, or takes you to a part of yourself that you, aren't usually showing in terms of that um, lack of conservatism that he normally does show and display so often. And that surprised me too, coming to cover this team because you don't look at this team on paper and think, Oh yeah, they're, they almost quite literally never go for it on fourth down or, or any of those things. And, and so I think that um, to me, in order to, if you, if you're faced with a similar situation and let's face it, the planets are aligning for all of this to be extremely similar to what we've seen um, in, in over the last couple of times, because it seems like the, the story is written this way. And and to me, that's you have to take the, the, the different path at that time. You have to keep being aggressive because um, he was plenty aggressive in the first half of that game. And just like what you're saying, Greg, he he, he sort of uh, you sort of turtle up a little bit and, and you sort of, um, you know, play to not lose. But I don't think you can do that anymore. I think you have to force yourself out of that box. You have to force yourself out of that comfort zone of, of what the safest decisions are and, and trust that this is a team that, again, does operate really well in that crazy space. Uh, and I think that that's a really important factor he, he's um, trying to or should be trying to unlearn and then relearn at this point of the process because the rest of it hasn't worked. It, it really hasn't. And, and especially when a team like the 49ers is, is such a bad matchup for the Rams in part because they can flood those margins. They can sort of um, turn on their heads, the, the spaces in which someone is playing it too safe. Um, and I think that's been one of the biggest difference makers in these two teams and the way that they 
their ethos is sort of composed uh, for, for that reason. And I think Sean McVay needs to almost like punch his way through that. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see if the Rams, if the game script plays out similarly and Los Angeles has a, has a lead, do you let your veteran quarterback, the one that you met by happenstance in Cabo, in Cabo <laughs> do you let him take you to the Super Bowl? I kind of feel like that would be the way to play it, but listen, Sean McVay knows what he's doing. We'll see how he plays it if that presents itself. Jordan, you have, uh, you did it. Uh, you said it all. Uh, we feel more prepared to watch the Rams on Sunday Thanks to you and everybody. Make sure we we mean it. You want to read some really great sports writing right now? For real. Read everything from Jordan mm. over at the Athletic. Thank you so much and good luck this weekend. Thanks, guys. I think my hands are shaking right I, now. That's I feel like we could have used more compliments, <laughs> though. You so said nice. you were going to keep complimenting. And... Yeah. Well, you guys, this is the thing. You guys reverse Sean McVeigh me. You flipped it on me. Now yeah, you don't get. And now I'm all thrown off. Oh, do, my God. Yeah, do not get. Don't get conservative in your game right up now on Sunday night. You know, you got to go for it. Stick the landing. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Thank guys. you, Jordan. Really, Thank really you. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. All right. There she goes. Excellent. I love her. Uh, yeah, she's great. And isn't it interesting that the the Rams and Mark, I know you've had a complicated relationship at times with the Rams as a team that maybe gets too much love, but they really are a very interesting team at this moment in time. I don't mind talking about them uh, for extended periods. Well, I think they're right now. I don't have a problem with them being, you know, the the bell of the ball because they've earned it now. It's when they kind Mark's of Mark's cool covering them once they make it to the championship game. That like well, okay, I, well, they deserve some. Coverage. I already like two months ago gave up all willpower to desire anything to happen this season. I'm kind of enjoying it because things are getting spicy. Um, I would listen to her podcast too, which I checked out today with uh, Rich Hammond. Like very good, um, very good Rams coverage there too. Excellent journalist, good guest. And I do think um, that if you had to power rank who she respects most, I think it's probably going to be um, easy for me to detect. I'll tell you later what my findings are. Where am I going? Uh, Why am I still talking? Would you say that you respect and love the Rams more now after hearing that Stafford goes to these dark places? Mm. Oh, entirely. I mean, it, it adds a layer of complex intrigue that I didn't really understand about Matthew Stafford before. I mean, I think you're in a dark place if you're in Detroit for a decade plus to begin with, but this is entirely from a different angle. I love that. I lo- So I-, I think it was made clear, but just to kind of hit it again, after Stafford hit that big completion uh, to set up the Matt Gay field goal. For the love of the game route. That's yeah, the, the, for the love of, the yes, yeah. as it will forever be known. Um, after he spikes the ball, he's in another world. Like he's in a dark place and you would think he'd be ecstatic. He not only did he take the hit, make the throw, get down the field, spike the ball and give him so- the team a chance. He was in some other place. I love that. Um, it's just the competitor within. And this is kind of like his moment after a-, a dozen years in Detroit, never really getting the shot. I think he's seizing that. And that's something mm. to remember when we decide who's going to win this game on Sunday, that Stafford might have that eye of the tiger for a lack of a better description. Mm. And he, and he took the hit from Indomitian Sue, his mm-hmm. old teammate. And they when were barking hits, at each hits other. Hits it against the, the zero blitz that Jared Goff was the guy who could never solve. You had to get rid of Jared Goff, and he does that. It all, it all, like maybe he was just tired from running down the field, but I like that he sort of blacked out in that moment. <laughs> um, yeah. 
All right, now it's time. We can all black out if we want because the show's over. Nice. Um, so just uh, feel free to do that, but do it safely if that's uh, possible. Um, Connie, thank you for joining us. You're, you're always a, a bright, shining light in our orbit, so thank you. Great to be back. Great mm-hmm. to see you guys. Mm-hmm. This was fun. And check We're out Connie. We're compliments around all over the place, aren't we? Just, yeah. Oh, you know, it's 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 a good thing. It's a good thing to tell people that you respect, that, that you like being around them and you're enjoying uh, professionally working with them. That's okay, Mark. I know, but I've not heard anyone say that um, directed towards <laughs> I, me. So I'm, I like, like working you know, with you, Mark. I respect you professionally. It, it's been a all long right, and fine. fruitful we're go- all relationship. Right, we're, all right, <laughs> we're coming up on on our ten our ten years together here as coworkers. Meet it's the been three largely of us. productive. Ten as a totally pure, bond. totally pure years. <laughs> totally pure. Anyway, check out Connie also on the Split Ends podcast with Ricky Hollywood. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, with a proper preview. Uh, listen, there's only three games left now. We got two on Sunday, and then the big boy. Well, Mark's well, all in on the Pro Bowl. Don't forget also. the Pro Bowl. Yeah, yeah the Pro. So we got the Pro Bowl as well. Absolutely. Um, but yes. So if you count the Pro Bowl four, but we recognize three on this show. Don't tell Rog. Don't tell any shadowy league figures. Let's just leave it at that. Thank you for listening, and remember, heed the call. 